Lord does all the saving, but he uses us to tell people. You know, he could have sent angels. He could have just wrote the message in the sky. But God's given us the wonderful privilege of being able to share his word and share the gospel with others. Acts chapter number 5 tonight. Acts chapter number 5. Let's remain faithful to the Lord. Let's be in our place where we should be. And let's encourage those that aren't here to be in church. That's, that would be a good thing to do. You'll notice that in chapter number 4, we saw the persecution really start to build on the church. And we see that they actually took Peter and John and put them into prison is what they did with them. And jailed them overnight just and said, hey, quit preaching in that name. And remember, they go back to the church there. They tell them what's taking place. And what do they do? They pray to the Lord and ask him not to take their persecution away, but to help them be bold in their witness and to continue to do what God would have them to do. Now, what we got to remember is Satan will do Satan hates the church. Satan wants to do his best to destroy the church. And if he, this is the thing, he started, what he tried to do with the early church there was, he tried to help perse the persecution that came, he wanted to discourage them from doing what they were supposed to do. But this is what happens. When Satan can't get a foothold on the outside, he attacks within. And we see the early church, this is new now. They go from a lot of great things and a lot of things we've read about, people doing a lot of great things, to where now there's an attack within. And Satan will do that from time to time. And he will do it often. He'll do whatever he can. Because if he can't get us from the outside in, he's going to try to get us from within and mess it up that way. We read Acts chapter number 5, and if you remember, these people loved one another. They sold possessions. Barnabas sold land, and they met the needs of God's people. And in chapter 5, we read here, the Bible says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Well, go back with me into chapter 4 to remember. It says in verse number 32, And the multitude of them believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of land sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and distribution who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land sold, and brought the land, and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we see that this, and I, you got to understand, I don't believe that as we see them sell a lot of their things and take care of one another, some people would say this is the first time you see communism in the Bible, and that's not the case, okay? And you got to understand something, the church was just taking off. And God used them, and this is really the only time you see this. That's why you cannot take everything you see in Scripture and the first time you see it and make a doctrine out of it. The book of Acts, you can't make a doctrine out of everything you see. There's a lot of great things that take place, but you can't do that with these things.
But you got to understand, as the church started and was taking off, there were things that took place. And they sold things and they did certain things and God used them to help the church take off. You know, let's, let's just think about it. None of us were here in 1972. Well, yeah, I don't think anybody in this room was here in 72 when Victory Baptist Church bought this property from the Brethren in Christ Gateway Community up the street over there. None of us were here then. The church, right around that time, in early papers that I see, the church had only about $100 in the bank account. I don't know the facts behind it or how it all worked, but I would tend to imagine, and I've seen some of the old minutes from some of the meetings in those days, there were many people back then that gave money so there could be a down payment for this building. The church had to start somewhere, right? It just doesn't appear out of it. There has to be sacrifices made for things to happen. And, and that's one of the things where I look at today, and this is, this is Brian speaking here for a minute. I really believe God has bigger and better plans for us ahead if we are willing to sacrifice and do what's necessary for that to happen. I don't know if we're at the point to where we're ready to sacrifice to do those things. I pray we would be and open to what the Lord has for us, but in order for this church to flourish and to start, there were people that sacrificed so we could enjoy the benefits today. They paid it off about 25 years ago. And at the end of the day, they, they paid it off. No one in this room, and maybe, you know, you might have the Ellis or a few others that maybe were here when it got paid off and were here for the more. I think the O'Donnells and the Ellis were here, and probably Carol, there were some that were here. And they probably helped give towards that. But most of us here, you didn't put a dime into paying for this building. I didn't put a diamond for paying for this building. Those that came before us did. And so the early church, people sold their things to help the work of God take off there. Now we see that there was this man and his wife. They sold a possession. Now look at what it says. Verse number two, and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it. So they both knew this. It says, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and he died on the spot. And great fear came upon all those that heard these things. And I get it. You see this here. That's pretty crazy for a man to die on the spot. And the young men arose, wound him up, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours not knowing what was done, came in. I don't know if she she was probably shopping and came and didn't know where her husband was, came in, I don't know. And it says, and Peter answered unto her, tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall, and shall carry thee out. 
Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded to the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead. And carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. We go from, in chapter 4, great power and great grace to great fear. It's a big difference. What happened here? What, how did this happen? What do we know exactly? What can we get from this passage tonight? That's what I want to talk about tonight. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive in. Father, we need you tonight. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for your grace. Guide us tonight. Help us in this passage and guide our thoughts and our direction. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ananias and Sapphira were part of the early church. But they were not doing what they said they would do or what the Holy Spirit of God convicted them that they should do. So you got to understand something tonight. We don't know exactly, did they, did they just say they were going to give everything and they didn't give it? It says they lied to the Holy Ghost. And so, personally speaking, I think the Lord, the Holy Spirit convicted them to do this. And they didn't do it. That would be my take here. And I want you to understand, and I'm not telling you tonight that if God tells you to do something you don't do, he's going to strike you dead. But God can do whatever he wants. And that's, that's the truth. And when we think on this tonight, what I want you to understand is this is what we need to understand as we look at this tonight. In all reality, we cannot judge the motives or the heart of somebody else. You do not know. I have people often, well, I know why they, you do not know why someone did what they did. You don't. Are you a mind reader? Can you view someone's heart? Well, I just know. No, you don't. You don't. You say, well, I know they're just a wicked sinner. Yep, we all are. That's about the truth. We do know that. We can, that's about as far as we can go. But you got to understand something. The Bible tells us, and remember back when Samuel thought that Eliab was the one, not David. And look at what it says. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And even this passage here shows us, you do not know how someone truly, what they are doing. If they're doing right or not. If they're lying or if they're not. We talked about this morning, we need to put away the hypocrisies in the church. And honestly, we don't know how someone, you don't know how someone's living tonight. You might say, well, I can just look at them and I can just tell there's something not right. You might be able to tell there's something not right, but you don't know someone's heart. Only God knows someone's heart. God sees the heart. But that also needs to be a reminder to us. You might think you're getting away with what you're doing right now. You might think that you can live your life and flirt with sin and sin and do all those things and it's and you're going to get away with it you reap what you sow 
Sin is always going to take you farther than you want to go, and it's going to cost you a lot more than what you want to pay. You need to understand that tonight. And you might think, I've got, it's hidden, no one knows. God does know tonight. And maybe your spouse doesn't know, maybe your kids don't know, maybe your fellow church members don't know, but everything that we do, God knows all of it. And it should matter more than anything else tonight what God sees and knows about us than anyone else. It's like Adam and Eve, sin made them stupid. We're going to hide from God. Okay, he's everywhere. You're going to hide from God. You're not going to hide from God. You might say, my sin's not hurting anybody. It is. And the more you do it, the worse it's going to get. And God knows your heart. God knows what's going on, just like he did with Ananias and Sapphira right here. We look tonight, number one, as we dive in, we see the deceit of Ananias and Sapphira. We see the fact that Barnabas and others sold what they had and gave the proceeds to the apostles to use to distribute for the needs of others. And as I mentioned, I believe that this was a temporary thing that God did to help the church take off. We see today that the Bible makes it clear that we are supposed to bring our offerings and our, into the storehouse on a regular basis. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 1, on the first day of the week, we're to bring in our offerings. And I want you to see that verse. Take your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians 16. I don't want you to think I'm making up a verse on you or anything. I want you to see that it's here in the Bible. And you say, why do we take an offering in church? We take an offering because of what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 16, verse number Concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches in Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And so we should bring our tithes and our offerings to the Lord, on the first day of the week. That is God's design for his people today. We see here in this passage, we see that, Anna, that I don't know, did they, did Ananias and Sapphira here, did they see what the, uh, and they, they could have given God what they wanted to. Or God convicted them of what needed to be done. What we see here is maybe they saw the fact that I'm just, I'm just trying to reason it out a little bit. Maybe they saw how Barnabas gave everything. And maybe the people were wowed. Wow, he sold this land, he gave everything. They gave him a nickname of the, they, they nicknamed him the son of consolation. He's an encourager. He's quite the guy. And maybe they wanted something like that. I don't know. Maybe they felt peer pressure. Others gave, so we're going to say we gave. And maybe the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 don't do that. And they went against, and they lied about it. I don't know exactly, but let's just see what the Bible says. We see letter A, the fact that they sold property. We know this to be a fact. The Bible says they sold a possession. They sold possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it. As we think on that there, they were allegedly placing the proceeds in the offering. They were, they were alleging to be filled with God's spirit and doing what God would have them do. And I want you to understand something. You are not going to be full of God's spirit and be lying at the same time. It doesn't go hand in hand. Kind of like what we talked about this morning. 
some of the sin that we have, if you are, if you are not putting away the things, you're not going to crave God's word. Because God's, you're not going to do bad things and crave God's word at the same time. It doesn't go hand in hand. You can't do both. It doesn't work that way. You cannot be filled with God's spirit and lie to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work that way. So as we see here, they, and that's why the Bible tells us in Matthew 7, verse 15 to 17, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. I want you to understand, you say, well, and I hear people often, well, the other thing I remember is you are, God never made you and I a fruit inspector. We're not fruit inspectors. And do you know, it takes time to reveal a harvest. You don't know when you plant a crop if that's going to be a good crop or not from the minute you plant it. It takes a while to figure that one out. And so we see here, we see their deceit, we see they sold property, and then we see let it be that they pretended to give all that they received from the sale. This is what they did. This is what the Bible says. Now, was there anything wrong with keeping part of it back? The Bible makes it sound like here, no, there was not. They, were not. they were not forced to give. But I want you to understand when we think of this, the fact is the sin was that they said they gave all when they had not. And so, and this is where it comes to today. When we give, no one's making you give to God. I know there are some churches out there that actually do call their people and be like, you haven't given, you need to give. And they even tie it to your bank accounts. I think it's the Mormons or the Jehovah Witnesses, one of those, and it's a great idea. But no, that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it's supposed to work. But I want you to understand, we are not, we don't give out of necessity or grudgingly. And you've got to understand, we should purpose in our hearts to give to the Lord. And our giving is between us and the Lord. And the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 7, Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. After all the Lord's done, we should be willing to give to him. I'll leave that there. We see number one tonight, see their deceit. They sold property. And they said they gave all, but they did not give all. Number two, we see that they could deceive man, but they could not deceive God. As we think on that, we look at verse number three. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. A little thought about this right here. Do you see the fact that the Holy Spirit is God? They didn't lie to man, they lied to God. So there's another proof, if you didn't need another proof, that the Holy Spirit is God. We see it right here before our eyes. So as we look at this, that they couldn't deceive man, they could deceive man, but they couldn't deceive God, we see letter A, that Peter questions them. Peter is full of the Spirit of God. 
the Spirit of God is helping him with discernment here in these things. And, and as we look at this, we see that God commissioned them and God filled them with his Spirit. And so Peter questions them. And then we see letter B, we see the fact that Ananias had lied to the Holy Ghost. And church, I want to just, I want to just plead with you and, and try and get this, I try and get it into our school kids, and I'm dealing with this with school stuff, just today even. Tell the truth. Lying doesn't help any situation. Lying does nothing but make you have to think of another lie and another lie and just gets you in more trouble in the long run. The truth sets us free. And there are many people, the first thing that comes into our mind is a lie for something. Stop the lying. Tell the truth. Be an honest person. I told someone earlier today, like, you realize you just lied straight to my face. What's going to happen when I come to you? on and ask you about something and you're telling me the truth but you just lied to me i'm not going to trust you lying is wrong you say oh it's just a little white lie it is wrong it doesn't matter if it's a little white lie or a big fat ugly lie it's all wrong the bible talks about lying and says a faithful witness will not lie but a false witness will utter lies tell the truth I love Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth. Buy it. Sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. We need the truth. The truth is so important. You also see, for those of, those, those of you, if there's anyone who doesn't believe in free will, if you look at, look at what Peter says here. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? If there is no free will, it wouldn't be within his power to do as he pleased, because he would have to do. That's where free will, you see it once again. So if there's anybody that's against free will, there's another verse for you. So, And I'm sure someone's going to talk to me about that one and give me some thoughts. And that's fine. You can do that. But I see that there. And just a little thought for you, a little free, a little free nugget there tonight. We see that Ananias and Sapphira, they lied. We see that Peter approached the, him about it. And then as that happened, we see number three tonight, we see the death of Ananias and Sapphira. Now I want you to understand something. Peter didn't kill them here. Peter is who God used to question them. God killed them. God took their life. I want you to understand, and we talk, I think we talked a little bit about this in the youth group today, God is the author of life, and God is the taker of life. God didn't put any of us here to take someone else's life. That's just truth. We think about abortion. Abortion is murder. Abortion is wrong. I don't care what our governor says, or even if he puts a little Bible verse next to it in other states. And we need to pray that that gets saved. He needs to get saved. Because the people in California are not smart enough to not, I, he's going to be governor again in just a little bit of time. But God could change his heart if he could change Nebuchadnezzar. If he could, or do what he did with Pharaoh. But anyways, there's lots of things that go down that road. We need to pray for that 
we see that letter A, we see that Ananias died when he was confronted. Now as we look at this, you know, talk about that there is a sin unto death. First John 5, 16, it says, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not a sin, shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. In all reality, this was a sin unto death, lying to the Holy Ghost like they did. Because literally, they died here. And you notice something, that God's judgment was, was immediate here. But do you realize God's judgment is not always immediate on something? We also see, you've got to understand, I believe, as we go through the book of Acts, that this is, the church is just building up. And so there are first-time things that happen where it doesn't quite happen that way every time. And so God's judgment, but as we look and we think on these things, and uh, things change, and when we look at those things, and God, God isn't going to be mocked. It doesn't matter Old Testament or New Testament. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And you know, I've had people ask me before, well, what if, what if he would have told the truth and confessed his sin now? He didn't. He didn't. He stuck to it. And God took his life. So what what don't don't do the what ifs. Because the what if isn't reality. In life. Well, what if this? It didn't happen. I did that the other night when the Chargers played the Chiefs. I'm like, what if that would just been an interception? We never would have lost the game. I can do that well all day long, but that's not how it worked out. So just get over it, move on. And we do that in life though. Well, what what if, what, if, what if Sapphira, when she walked in, would have gotten right? Well, you could go down multiple roads. Well, what if she died, told the truth because she didn't want to it wasn't right? You can go down a whole different road. We're not going to go down that road. We'll just go with what the Bible says. We see the fact that when he was confronted, he died. We see letter B, that when Sapphira was confronted, she died also. And you see, what did they do? They tempted the Lord. Do you see that there? You see that there? How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? You know what the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 6, 6? Shall not tempt the Lord your God. Tempted God. We're not supposed to do that. God took their lives. What that teaches us is we don't need to lie to God. Also, just a side note, I'd be very careful what I tell God I will, what I will not do. Sometimes I think we are very flippant with God with things. I had, some, I had someone a few days ago, the, a church member that I was talking to, and there was some sin, some stuff in their life that we were talking about and dealing with some, and they made this statement to me. I told God I will never do that again. What? Never going to do that again. And never going to do that again. 
as long as you have flesh on, never say never. But how many times, God, if you do this for me, I will I'll do this and I'll never do that again. God, you bail me out this time and I will change and it will all be. Tell God you do. Don't make a vow to God and not keep your vow. Ananias and Sapphira should never said they were going to give everything if they didn't plan on giving everything. Because they might have looked good in front of the rest of the church. But they didn't look so good when they were both lying dead in the church. And do you know something? What they did, and their sin not only affected them, it affected the whole church. Because this group, this group goes from great power and great grace to great fear. My sin won't affect, it just affects, no, it affects others. You're not on a little island by yourself. Sin affects others. And as we look at this, the last thing I want you to see tonight, in the book of Acts, this is the first time the word church is used in verse number 11. In Matthew, we see the church, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But for the first time in the book of Acts, the word church is used in verse number 11. And it says, And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. We see this thing, we see, first of all, that when we think about a church, that it's a called out assembly. That's what the word means. Literally, ecclesia. Great fear came upon all of that called out assembly. The church is meant to be called out from this world. And then we also see the fact that they were a God-fearing assembly. You could look at this two different ways. Were they, was it a fear of, like, we get scared? Or was it reverential fear of God? I believe here it was a, they revered God and they feared God like we all should. So in all reality, when you look at this, Ananias and Sapphira did wrong and caused harm in the church. But by the end of the story, I believe it helped the church to do what was right because they had a fear of God that they knew.